0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: welcome to the football ramble the newcastle takeover rolls on and adam lallana is back on the beach come on it's wednesday the 29th of july i'm jules breach
2: i'm pete donaldson and i'm Vidushin, Yes.
1: Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. <laughs>
2: that was curious.
3: You expanded into the space that you needed, leaving me and Vish very little space. I left
1: you nothing, boys. In which to I'm <laughs> to sorry. Operate.
2: It's a five aside. You just you just took the ball, you dribbled with it, you didn't want to pass, and yeah. then suddenly you ran out of room you're like, right, you have it. Yeah. Pass it I'm backwards. selfish like that. Yeah.
3: It was, it was nice passes. though. I enjoyed
1: it thoroughly. Um, how nice was it? This probably isn't the best way to start a Football, football podcast. podcast, but how nice was it not to have any football last <laughs> night?
0: <laughs> Unless
1: you're a fan of the A League, of course. I,
2: I felt a have little bit lost. Have you ever watched the A League? A little bit. It is brilliant. It is the football equivalent of putting ants in a jar with some spiders. <laughs> it, is, it is just mental because it's also played in ridiculous heat. Yeah, you know, usually. So you know, especially when they're playing out in Perth or you know Adelaide near the kind of towards the summer, and mm. it is just incredible to watch because it's just back and forth. And it's too hot to do that, and so they make <laughs> they do some of the stupidest things you've ever seen. Right. I, I, I genuinely recommend everyone to watch it. It's a great way to start the day as well.
3: Oh yeah, well, at eleven o'clock. Van uh, my uh, Japanese team, are going to be playing, so I'll be uh, trying to find a feed for that.
1: <laughs> I... More on
3: internet piracy, list. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah,
1: exactly. We'll get onto that in a minute. Uh, I actually spent about an hour and a half watching unsolved crimes last night. Well, One of my favorite things to do.
3: Yeah, we we had a small uh, uh, um, uh, argument about some of the crimes that took place in in, in this TV show on on Netflix uh, uh, last night, and um, uh, we weren't arguing last night. We argued before the show. Uh, <laughs> Jules has very Jules is, a, Jules is a dreamer when it comes to I a detective, am. I and I am it. very much uh, the 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 Occam's razor of, of detective uh, mysteries. You're very
1: much like yeah, okay. So he fell in the river, he died, he drowned. That's it. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm like, no, he was dragged through the hedge. Mm-hmm. He was murdered. Yeah. There's all these other side stories yeah. to it. I love all that.
3: I, ju- I just think those uh, that whole series is just a, a series of unfortunate events. It should be called A Series <laughs> of Unfortunate Events if indeed you could call it that.
1: <laughs> Bish, I'd like your opinion on this so maybe catch up.
3: Uh, Next yeah, no, week sure, we can sure. Have a discussion about the flip, it. The flip-flops were damaged.
2: <laughs> the flip-flops weren't damaged. The mobile phone was intact, Vish. I'm still reeling from the fact that you described that as a small argument because it definitely wasn't. I feel like I was, was going to be privy to a very solved <laughs> mystery there. Well,
1: I will tell you who is still arguing quite a lot, and that is Newcastle fans, probably with each other over mm. why on earth this takeover is being delayed again. I just feel really bad. Pete, for Newcastle fans, because I feel like a few months ago when this takeover was kind of first announced, mm. it felt different. And I sensed that from Newcastle fans who were friends of mine, that they felt it was different as well. They felt like this was the one that was going to get over the line. But yet again, this is now not going to happen.
3: Well, there was. Uh, I mean, it's two kind of rounds of different ethical contortions that the Newcastle fan base have been forced into. I mean, you talk about these cardboard uh, fans in, in in most of the grounds around the, on the world in most of the major leagues. You could fit some straw men in St James's Park <laughs> right now because they the, the 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 contortions that they've been forced into doing because you know they they, they feel agree because they've been booted around by, by the press for having like the temerity to, to, to want some change, want Mike Ashley out of the club, that um, they're a disgrace for supporting a, a Saudi takeover. In my opinion, I think that there are some valid points in there. You know, there's a legal framework that exists. We can sell arms to MBS to blow the crap out of Yemen, but we can't sell them a football club. You know, modern life makes hypocrites of us all. The same journalists who work for the same newspapers who are criticising the, Geordi- the Geordies for supporting a Saudi takeover uh, will be the same journalists who work for a paper who will be, I don't know, sinking free cocktails at the Isle of Wight Festival owned by Live Nation with uh, a 10% stake by the same uh, Sovereign Wealth Fund. Uh, they'll be taking adverts for, from, from from companies like Uber who are in part owned by the same Sovereign Wealth Fund. They'll be going to the same festivals uh, in, in, in the same taxis. Modern life makes hypocrites of us all, and it, it, it's really, really uh, difficult for, for for I think any modern football fan to enjoy their football uh, and still say that they're a right on and 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 and, and have a, certainly um um you know have human rights uh at their core. Um, so it, it is difficult, and I think the the IP infringement in the parity situation is, I think for for a lot of people uh, a convenient fig leaf. I think you you possibly might say, but. I, I, despite looking and dressing like a freeloading student, I do think people should get paid <laughs> no for, for, for what they make. <laughs> for what they protect, for the, I think they should be protecting their IP. And the Premier League have historically been excellent uh, in, in 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 sniping away at, at, at people, what, at people who the uh, companies that are uh, infringing on the ip because simply why should um you know qatar be paying a certain amount of money for a, for a product where in the neighboring country they're paying nothing they're li- they're literally uh, having running a state sponsored um uh, centralized um you know uh, from satellites yeah space piracy you know what I mean this is sexy stuff in the grand scheme of things we're not talking about Napster peer-to-peer we're not talking about the pirate Bay peer-to-peer kind of like user-to-user kind of uh, infringement this is state-sponsored uh, piracy so it's not about Newcastle United it is about the Euros in 2016 and packaging up of uh, of sporting events and Newcastle have kind of been caught in the, in, in the middle of it um, it's fascinating how it's going to play out but I don't think anything anything's going to happen soon
1: The the thing is, though, is I feel that Newcastle actually had a pretty decent season considering this takeover has been going on for the last few few months and now it's Mm. obviously not happened. Yeah. And actually, the fear is that now coming into next season, this is the time, this off period, and I know it's shorter than normal. There's only, what? five, six weeks until the new season begins and probably less than that for the players who have to come back for pre-season training and get themselves ready for the new season that starts on September the 12th weekend. But this is the time where you want to see growth from your club, isn't it? This is when you want to start see some, starting to see something build for next season. You want to see mm. players being brought in. You want to make sure that you know that that is the manager that's going to take you through the next season. And for Steve Bruce right now, I just feel sorry for him because how does he know where he can take this club next season, Vish, if he doesn't even know who the owners are going to be and what kind of state the club's going to be in.
2: Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. I would say, though, that a lot of his time spent as Newcastle manager has been with his head down, having to crack on with the job, with stuff going on above him that he doesn't really have any say in. I think his main worry is going to be that if there is a takeover and everything is put in place by the start of next season, he will he will be one of the people to go because I think I've said this on this uh, pod before but if you're going to spend that much money to take over a club and if you're going to invest in high-profile players which is generally how this goes why wouldn't you invest in a high-profile manager which would be cheaper than you know say having to bring in some of the best names because you can meet that in, in terms of success you can it meet in more than halfway you don't have to suddenly fill your team with superstars if you get very accomplished a very good manager and you know Morosia so Chitino was someone that was was well, pretty much been mentioned since he left Spurs. Um, just off the back of what Pete said, which is absolutely spot on, um, and kind of deserves to be cut and like placed in a museum somewhere because <laughs> society does make hypocrites of us all. And as in, as we often say that football is a reflection of society, football is well, it just makes us all hypocrites to that regard, and so. You know, you you can feel sorry for Newcastle and the fact that I think that it was the Newcastle Supporters Trust that did a survey and it said ninety seven percent of supporters were in favor of a takeover, and you can skew that towards saying, oh, they're in favor of of the Saudi regime taking over. Well, actually, they just want rid of Mike Ashley, don't they? And yeah, I think and, one and a, they never had a say in who owned the club in the first place. So it, it's yeah. a bit
3: rich for for a lot of people are piling on on the Geordies like now because they they don't have a say. Whatever happens, they just want Mike Ashley out of the club. Yeah, but if I had the choice between you know the fat feckless asset stripper and uh, uh people who chop off people's heads and you know bomb the crap out of uh of countries, uh, killing women and children, I I would probably go
2: with the with the man who vomits in fireplaces. Quite frankly, you know. <laughs> and the the other thing about that is that um you know when a lot of Newcastle fans on Twitter get pelters, some of them are pretty out of order for some of the things that they say to journalists who are. Mm. Just openly and and honestly reporting the atrocities in Saudi Arabia. But what I would say is part of the part of being a regime like that is, you know, we talk about sports washing, but really they've been able to get away with it because not not many people really know about it. Not many people are totally mm. clued up on the situation over there. So it's almost like you know, a Newcastle fan has this period with Mike Ashley, sick of it. They hear of a takeover. They hear of the billions and billions that could go into the club and into the city as well. Having seen it. In Paris, having seen it in Manchester, and think, yeah, of course, I want a piece of that. Yeah, you know, imagine supporting a club that are going on doing those things, that bringing those kind of players, and so it it can be very hard for a football fan to split the two.
3: Well, well, look at the way that Xi Jinping, big football fan himself, big soccer fan himself. He he, uh, a few years ago, obviously there's a lot of Chinese money flooding in, in, into football. He he just drew a line and said uh this isn't supporting the the chinese economy so the ccp um uh, are not as involved in football as uh, it, it possibly uh, would have been if, if xi jinping had actually made that decision they are obviously imprisoning you know over a, a million Uyghur muslims in, in 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 death camps almost or certainly um uh, reeducation camps let's use it i mean it, it's 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 uh, uh it's a human rights abuse uh, the likes of which we haven't seen in probably a century and um you know, if he had made that decision, that they would be more in, involved in football. I can see a post-COVID world where those kind of deals are more attractive to the, to the Chinese Communist Party and uh, we will see more Chinese money um, flooding into the market. So we will have these questions and we'll have these kind of debates over and over again. And there's never a red line. And, and why is it your club that has to be the red line? when there's so many other clubs. You, you can talk about Sheffield United, that, that's not, that's a different case in point because it's private money and it's not the, the sovereign wealth fund. Or you can sort of say, well, everyone's friends together and everyone's in, in a relationship and it is all very murky. How do you suddenly sort of go, well, this is out of order, this is out of order, this is out of order because at the end of the day, there's no, there's no leadership from, from the, the government of the country. You know, they're all short-termist, you know, mm-hmm. right-wing trolls. I do but-
1: feel like it's something that, we are discussing a lot more now, though, football mm. ownership. And I think that football fans are becoming a lot more savvy to how it all works. As you were saying a minute ago, Vish, people don't often really understand it and don't care to kind of look into it because they just want to see their football club do well. But actually now I think there is a lot more care and a lot more a kind of consideration for football ownership. We see what's happened at Wigan this season. We see what's happening at Charlton at the moment. We've got all these other clubs in the Premier League and, and it's spoken of... Quite often now, which I think is a good thing that we're talking about it.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I also think that you know it, it's a beast that we've created. You know, we we lure the Premier League for you know without wishing to kind of nail Sky Sports, but you know we we basically dedicate two nights a year where we see a ticker go up and up and up, and we cheer it on every time it goes up and celebrate the you know the next hundred million or whatever it is. So, this is a beast that we've created, and it's you know, money does attract people with ulterior motives I think that's the fu- fundamental truth of the world and, and and also football teams like why would you
3: bother getting involved in a football team unless you had literally a billion dollars to throw into a club over like a period of five years to to to, to put into the infrastructure of the club no you know we were questioning where you know oligarchs were getting their money <laughs> five years ago ten <laughs> years ago and, and that's a very recent thing we all know what happened when the breakup of the USSR ran we all know where people got their cash so like to to to, to suddenly sort of draw a line here is a little bit strange but yeah you're completely right, Vish. It's, it's you would have to be mad to get involved in top-flight football and actually think you are going to make a return on it. So it is the preserve. It's not the preserve even of the Mar-a-Lago lago uh, attendees. It's the people who own literal states who who can who can actually get involved and affect a positive uh, upturn for a for, for a football team. I think in, in, in certainly in Newcastle's kind of
2: level. Yeah, and when you're talking about you know where is that red line? You know you see the discussion play out on Twitter quite a few times where someone's like oh you know but if you have an issue with this what about that and so, yeah. that's also bad as well yeah
3: you can you can be
2: that's what I'm saying to like my, my friends on, on, on Twitter who
3: I genuinely love and they've got like MSB pictures on, 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 their, on their avatars and, and you know Saudi flags and so I'm going I'm going guys just you can be better you can draw that. You know, the government's not going to do it. The governing bodies of, of, of FIFA and, and, and other places, they're not going to do it for you. So you can draw a red line and go, I'm not going to support Newcastle United before, again, because this, quite frankly, is, is has gone past. This is beyond the pale. This is bullshit.
2: So th- this will be, I suppose, an impo- important philosophical quandary if this does play out and if they do end up taking over. Where, Where can you forgive a fan for supporting their football team supporting their local club supporting their city um you know we talk about that red line where does it where does it become a problem then because mm. there will legitimately be Newcastle fans who are totally oblivious to where this money's going to come from but they're going to see a boost in their football club they're going to see a boost in the economy of their city which is what which is to be fair one of the main issues outside of football with Mike Ashley is the fact that the city has seen none of, yeah, you know, has, has not benefited at all from, you know, from his tenure, I suppose. Um, But so, yeah, Pete, as a Newcastle fan, you know, and with mates who are Newcastle fans, kind of where do you, yeah, where do you, how do you weigh this up? Because my brother is a Newcastle fan and it, it's interesting talking to him because he's, you know, he's very clued up, he's an economics graduate and he kind of, he kind of gets it. And he's also a bit like, well, you know, at the same time, you know, we have quite important discussions about, um. You know the human rights issues and the issues that he'll have as a fan, and then every now and again, he'll send me a photo of Kylian Mbappe in a Newcastle shirt. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> it is, it is, a, it is well, a, a genuine issue that fans are going to have to weigh up.
3: Yeah. The latest
1: one was Gareth Bale moving right. to Newcastle as well. So, where do you stand, as Vish was just asking Pete, as a Newcastle fan? I,
3: I, I think I've said it before on this podcast. If it, if there is a, a Saudi takeover, I will. I, I can't. I can't. I can't in good conscience sort of say that I'm a Newcastle fan. It's not. A, it, it, it. It changes a lot of things for me. Uh, um, and I think it, it it is important for everyone to to assess um what your um uh, what your football club um stands for in the community because we are constantly told that football is a, is a force for good. Um, I would also um, maybe think about if I am willing to let um, uh, countries come in and, and, and spend money and to to prop up the lack of investment that my own government has made in my area. I would possibly think about being a little bit more politically activated um when it comes to you know election time and maybe voting a little bit more and being more of an activist if you if you genuinely think that the that the, the money being injected from 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 outside is the only way that your area is uh, is going to um get back on the up and up then I think the country as a whole has has got a big problem so no i I think it will affect my relationship with my football club. It's not going to take Les Ferdinand away from, oh. <laughs> from
0: me. They'll never
3: take Les Ferdinand away from me and the memories I enjoyed.
1: It's heartbreaking to hear that, but um, whilst <laughs> we're on the subject, could I tempt you to come and become a Brighton supporter? If that <laughs> well, it's were to Ooh, happen. sneaky. Oh. God, That's a little bit... seems a little, good. Good. She's She's a little bit... Open. Open. Yeah,
3: this Transfer bit Fan Deadline Day. <laughs> yeah. Outrageous. Luring me in. God, <laughs> not honestly. even Adam
1: Lallana, is that not enough to tempt you to be a Brighton fan? A very
3: Newcastle sounding. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's
1: talk about transfers, because yeah. the, the window opened... On Monday, the day after mm. the Premier League season ended, Vish, you talked about that ticker going up and, and sort of seeing the transfers flood in over these summer months. Well, it's actually weeks this time round. But one of the deals that has been done, Adam Lalana joining the Mighty Seagulls on a three-year deal. It's a free transfer. And I think that the thing that really probably lured Adam Lallana to Brighton. Lallana Lua. L- 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 there, <laughs> uh, is the fact that there's a possibility he can go into coaching after, and mm. I will preach about how brilliant the facilities and the infrastructure is down at yeah. Brighton. If anyone's been down there, you'll you'll know what the training facilities are like, and and the way the club is run is brilliant. Um, So I'm super excited about this, really Mm. excited about Adam Lallana. You know, loads of people are kind of saying, like, why are you excited about this? He's, you know, he's getting on now. How old is he? 32, I think he is. Um, But I think we could do with a player like him. His experience, we've got a Premier League winner in our team now. We've got a Champions League winner in our team. We've got someone who will be a huge inspiration to the younger players. And this season particularly, we've seen Graham Potter in his first season in charge at Brighton giving the younger players experience, the likes of Alexis McAllister, who joined this season, and we've got Lampty coming through, mm. who's started pretty much most of the game since the restart. There are lots of young players that could really do with having an experienced player like Adam Lalana in the team.
2: Yeah, no, I'd agree. I, he'd also, I would say, at 32, and on a three-year deal, I, 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 you know, and because of his history with injuries, I do wonder actually how, my, how much... You'll be able to get out of him on the field, but I suppose it's actually off the field where players tend to have a more pronounced um, effect on on younger players, as you said, because just the standards they generally have, especially coming from a club like Liverpool, and and what they expect in themselves suddenly just filters into what other players want to do, and they mm. see someone with his medal haul and think, right, well, I want a, I want a piece of that. Yeah, I want to be where he, where he he's been, and I want to learn from him while he's here. Um, I do on the pitch, though. I'm quite interested to see how how it plays out. I, obviously, we've spoken. I think it was even last week about how um, how good Potter is with his tactics, and you know, three different tactics in a single game if needs be. And I think Lalala's actually the kind of player who's who's very dexterous. He works really well in tight spaces. He also has really good vision, and he also when you kind of let him off the leash from midfield, he gets in really unusual positions. I think he's he's not the kind of the player. He's not the kind of player who's going to. Lampard break into the box, but he'll do that little step before where he'll create space out on the left or the right and allow someone else to do that. Yeah. So he could open up the variety of options that um, Brighton have in their you know in their department. The other thing is, as I mentioned before, uh, with his injuries, is you're not going to get the kind of player he was at Southampton, which is he's going to be more like that player than he is than he than the role he played at Liverpool, obviously, because he's going to get more game time and there's. With all due respect to Brighton Jules, I'm gonna move my seat a bit away from you from when I say this. <laughs> but obviously, you know they're not as not as good, and certainly the squad is not of that quality. That's fine. Yeah. Well, I'll <laughs> but um, but yeah, so it'd be interesting to see kind of what role Potter has in mind for him because it it, it does need to be more than a a token role of oh this is a big player he's gonna affect our kids because he's gonna yeah. be on a heck of a lot in terms of wages.
3: Well, I mean, I, well, Leicester were in for them, weren't they? Yeah, Leicester yeah. seemed uh, quite interested. So. I tell you, it's a bit of a coot was it just a decision personally maybe he prefers I don't know the sea air or whatever or he
2: just wants to <laughs> play more I think that
3: more. was a
1: big part of it moving back down south he's from mm. Southampton isn't he so yeah. to be able my geography is to...
2: really bad but they're not very close are they
1: uh, it's about an hour and a half
2: closer than Leicester close enough,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> closer than Liverpool <laughs> yeah certainly so I think that I, I think for a lot of footballers, particularly when they get to that age where they're coming towards the end of their career family is really important mm. and to be able to kind of be closer to family keep them all happy he's got children and a partner the, obviously for, I think that was that that's a big part of it
3: for me it's for me it's the lure of the <laughs> it's the lure of the Lalana <laughs> Lua Lua conversation <laughs> that they could you know <laughs> who's Korea Luton is another Luton? <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, I just would like them to get together and have a chat about writing and their experiences.
1: <laughs> that would be nice but yeah I'm, I'm excited about it I think as Vish pointed out he's an all-round midfielder and he's He's able to be flexible, and I think that works mm. for Brighton and, and the way Graham Potter likes to play. In terms of other rumoured signings that could be happening, it wouldn't be a transfer window without talking about Wilfred Zaha. Oh, of course. God. Uh, so he, he <laughs> wants to leave Palace. That's what Roy Hodgson has been saying. Is it the window it's going to happen, Vish, and will it be to Arsenal?
2: I was talking to an Arsenal-supporting fan of mine, uh, sorry, no. I'm asking supporting mate, not a fan of mine.
1: <laughs> a fan of yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The fish fan club. How do we sign up? Get in every... the Vish
2: fan. There's only room for one for every club, so you can take Brighton. Actually, yeah. <laughs> um, God, what, what ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> I was supporting I to a mate of mine who supports Arsenal, and he was really unsure about Zaha. And by the end of the conversation, he kind of thought, well, actually, why not? Because you have someone there who can play out on both wings if needs be. Who's very direct who obviously has a great amount of confidence and he'll be coming into a side which is still very fragile in that regard. And it could be it could be quite a good thing for, for both teams. I, I would say, actually, if Arsenal had a better season than they had now, I think they should probably stay clear. But given that Arteta wants to rebuild and Zaha is not going to command that premium price or that premium club, I think it's actually quite a nice fit because within a season... They could both be where they want to be, you know, if um, if things play out as positively as they might do next season. So I would say he actually would be a good fit at... Um yeah, at Arsenal. But, I mean, that's just what my fans are saying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what where, do they know?
1: Where else could <laughs> you see Vich him Reddit. going, Pete? Where else could you see Zaha well, I, mean,
3: I mean, I think he suits players. Uh, he suits a team that has uh, recognised strikers rather than, I guess, Aubameyang. I mean, if Aubameyang leaves, I mean, I think that might be a bit more problematic for Zaha because obviously he'll be seen as this kind of almost marquee replacement when that's not his class at all, I would say. Yeah. Um, I could see him at Chelsea, whipping, whipping balls in for uh, for some yeah, pretty, so pretty decent They've got so many, though. Yeah, right? like... They'd have
2: to send him straight to Vitesse, <laughs> didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: this is another one for Arsenal fans. Um, if you're listening, let us know your thoughts on this one as well. Uh, Pete, what do you think of this? It's the Thomas Partey. I think that's how we're deciding to say it. Partey? Mm. Partey! Partey! Uh, Thomas Partey. Um, Arsenal have apparently bid 25 million euros for for him, which is only yeah. half of his release clause. Um, <laughs> and a Gwendoosie. it was rejected.
3: Have a Gwendoosie as well. Yeah. We'll stick that in as well. Come on.
1: So what? Like, what's going on there? Well, it's uh, uh, one Arsenal.
3: Of these Arsenal be Arsenal Arsenal in. I mean, Simeone wants to keep him. Uh, he's made that very, very clear. And if teams aren't meeting the, the exact requirements <laughs> in which to, uh, to 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 get him out of the club, um, they ain't gonna get him. <laughs> So it's mm. as simple and as unalloyed as that, I would say.
1: There we go. That's it. <laughs> transfers wrapped up, Vish.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say, it's actually kind of sad that Mattia Gonduzi having started the season, you know, when Arsenal were doing poorly, as someone mm. that you'd identify as one to work with, to keep along the, alongside Bianca Saka, who could lead, him. lead this revolution. <laughs> yeah, And now we're, he's just a, a make in a deal. Yeah, yeah. sad.
1: Man up. That's what I have to say. <laughs> That's what I have to See, say. See, do you want
2: to be in with this crowd, Pete? <laughs> well, yeah, they, they sound horrible, yeah. don't they? I was not
3: expecting Savage.
1: this. South Coast when you, when vintage
3: you... vintage clothing purveyors
2: Brighton. What has Adam Lallana got himself into?
3: That kit
1: has massively grown on me. On the final day of the season, I was like, what is that? When I was watching it on the screens and then I thought... By the end of it, I thought, Do you know what? I actually quite like this retro colour? Oh this.
3: yeah, I, I was just t- I was just mainly talking about the general vintage clothing <laughs> scene uh, of, of, of Brighton.
1: But there we go. So uh, that's transfers wrapped up for today. I'm sure we'll talk more about this as the weeks go on. But for now, Pete, it's over to you for Ooh. God forbid another mystery noise. <laughs>
2: She's wearing you down bit this, by bit. This Brighton fans, they're so Just rude. negging you I mean, no, to right? get you as a Brighton fan. Uh,
1: right,
3: uh, yes, I've got a mystery noise. You've got to guess who uh, is making the mystery noise or possibly just what the mystery noise is. All right? Okay. Here's uh, this week's. Man. <laughs> what?
1: I'll play that again. Man.
3: Man. It's someone trying to say a bommayong. A, a baggy man. <laughs> a
2: <doggy> man. <laughs> what?
1: That's Michael Owen. Go again. Right, let's have a think, shall we? Vish? Let's have a think. You think it's, Vish Michael, Owen. it's, Michael, think it's Michael Owen?
3: Vish reckons is Michael Owen. We're going to find out at the end of the show if that's right with you guys. Of course it is. Lovely. We'll take a
1: break after this. Uh, we'll find out what pizza noise is and be talking about some of our favourite moments of the season. A
3: buggy man.
1: You're listening to the Football Ramble with me, Jules Breach. I'm here with Pete and Vish today. And it's time to look back at some of our favourite moments of the season. I mean, there's been some good ones. We're talking kind of about, rather than the teams we support and moments on the pitch, Mm. more of the kind of memorable moments on and off it. So Mike Dean's beard has got to be up there. (laughs) That was a a shocker. That that was not what we were expecting off the back of the lockdown. I mean, everyone grew facial hair and everyone Mm. had odd haircuts during the uh, the postponement. But Mike Dean growing a, a sensational beard is not what I expected.
2: Yeah, and I actually thought, because so many people were growing beards and letting their hair out, he might do some mad shit, like get a Tyson face tattoo or something <laughs> like that. Because he's, he's got to do something a little bit different, hasn't yes. he, and go a bit extreme. Yeah,
3: <laughs> Get those coloured in eyeballs you can get. Yeah. Where you get your yeah. eyeballs
2: tattooed. Just coming back and looking like Takeshi 6 9
3: ine i got got... Uh, yeah, I, I came. I I noticed I put a hat on yesterday. I looked a little bit like a, a young Vladimir uh, Lenin. Lenin. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, that that that's my that's been my lockdown look crossed crossed with an Alan Pardew frosted tips at the moment. Which uh, it's 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 a real look.
2: Um,
1: what about um Mossy John Moss and his little boots? His uh boots with his name on them. I, yes. th- I think that
2: I think that's quite interesting because do you remember when we suddenly realised that referees had ego we were mm. like, what's going on here? So the um. Oh, they had of, marketing power yeah of the referee who got the Champions League tattoo on his arm yes. who was that um, um,
1: Graham Pohl no, no it wasn't Graham Pohl who was it, it? Was... who was it Charlie that oh yeah, that yeah, that's, close. Close.
2: that's, that's one. One. lovely Clats. old job uh, yeah, obviously you know Dini, and then yeah Mossy on his boots <laughs> also if you're trying to gain the respect of players players who are you know, as young as your ch- children, let's say. <laughs> Why are you going to come in with some, you know, custom shoes? Because they're just going to rip you, aren't they? Yeah, yeah And yeah. they're not going to respect you. I well,
1: kind of like it, though. It's Could like
2: be... a dad walking into, like, a room full of his son's mates and giving everyone fist bumps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which I suppose
2: you legally have to do now. How, not legally. Where, where <laughs>
1: do you kind of stand on... People, human beings, not necessarily. I I will happily stand on (laughs) them. (laughs) Not necessarily uh, footballers, but anyone who comes in with their name (laughs) embroidered on their shirt slash shorts. Uh, Well,
3: I remember, I think I said uh, this in the podcast before, I remember my agent giving me, uh, ex agent, uh, giving me when I was 1031 a a massively oversized classic Newcastle shirt with Donaldson 31 on the back. (laughs) I'm going, eh? I'm not really that pleased I'm 31. <laughs> B, I don't want my name on the back of my shirt. Awful. Awful stuff.
2: My brother um, is a Newcastle fan, as I mentioned, and when we first had a trip to St. James's Park when he was younger, he... Um he wanted his full name on the back of the shirt. So we had to come back the next day because they had to search in their stock room for smaller letters. Oh, sugar. Oh yeah, my gosh, of, course, of course. Yes. And, so, and so we did get it and it, only, it just goes right from one sleeve to the other. Is it, it like absurd. <laughs> it did, So
3: they didn't go for like the circ
2: like the Well, no, they of, couldn't. The arc. Because, They couldn't because it was like eating into the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a little Pac-Man basically <laughs> on top. So if you to were a footballer, what would you yeah. have on the
1: back of your shirt?
2: I've which? thought about this so, so often. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think I think I'd do Vish, yeah. Mm, yeah. But then I'd I'd want just to fuck with commentators. I'd want them to say my full name. Damn yeah. right, yeah. yeah.
3: I I think we, before we started working together, and and the reason why actually because I the day before we started working, together, I was like I have to I have to learn it because my 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 one of my best mates uh, from, from Hartlepool uh, is uh, from Sri Lanka. Uh, our family is certainly in, and she's Wonderagla. and um, oh, the, the teachers the teachers generally I mean she she was the only person of, of colour in the whole school and teachers would almost revel in the fact that they could not get her name right they, they would re- refuse to they, they would just they would they would mealy mouth the kind of blah blah blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I do find it ultimately massively disrespectful when the first thing that people say in an interview or a chat they go how do you say your name you know what mate learn my fucking name before you talk yeah, to me absolutely. you know what I mean it does my fucking nothing uh, but yeah where were we um, <laughs> I, moments of the I have yes. Sri Lankan friends <laughs> like me love me but uh, yeah um, S- uh, Sidibe, uh, uh I probably said his name wrong haven't I Sadibi's sock <laughs> his sock he came on without a sock guys <laughs> He came on without a sock. Oh, that was and, great, uh, wasn't it? And, and like I mean, it's bare minimum, isn't it? You're there <laughs> with uh, one of the most celebrated managers in world football. You turn, he turns around and what, your player's about to come on and he's only wearing one sock. <laughs> Wonderful.
1: These are the moments we love, though. What about yours, Fish? Yeah. Um, mine is,
2: is fairly recent and I, I didn't think... Um, it, it was something that really took me by surprise and filled me with quite a lot of joy, but it is the double act of Roy Keane and Micah Richards. Oh no, yes, I, I think gosh. like I I, yeah, I would never, every week inject
1: me with it. Yeah, oh, so I I I'd, I'd
2: never thought that they would be a particularly good pairing, even though kind of separately. I think Michael Richards is a very very good pundit, and and Roy Keane is a very entertaining pundit, um, and they just threw them together, and it's so good because. <laughs> I think Roy Keane actually loves Michael Richards. I think he yes. likes him. You can yeah. see it in his eyes. Because he, you know, when it, uh, there was a <laughs> clip last week of uh, I think he was filming him for his Insta story, and Roy Keane was not having any of it. And then Michael Richards, <laughs> who has one of the most infectious laughs going, he's joyous. Isn't yeah, he, he yeah. sets off, and it's really hearty. And it comes from so deep and, and it's such a lovely place. Clearly, yeah. And Roy Keane smirked, and it was so <laughs> sweet. Uh, and I just, I just want, I want so much of that. Yeah. I also want kind of Roy Keane and Graham Zuness bare chested in oil scrapping at each other <laughs> mm. but I, I want to I want to be kind of nourished by the wholesomeness of, well, keen lot of in, I
1: mean people laughing and smiling is infectious yeah, on telly true. isn't it and it's what we like to see and I can say from working with Michael Richards he's exactly yeah. as he is on screen in real life he's an absolute joy to be around but it's
3: so, it's so rare in football uh, journalism and certainly television journalism where, where just people who have played the game still have some joy left <laughs> in their heart for it. that's why right has been working for the best part sure, of 25 years because mm. he loves the game and he and, and and he and he brings it to the fore. He's not dull. He's not boring. He he, he loves it. And and Michael Richards, yeah, passion, wow, isn't it? It's passion. Yeah, yeah. That's but why
2: we're watching. Yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a great point because both of those two players have passion that manifests itself in very different ways. Mm. Like Roy Keane is full of rage, <laughs> and Michael Richards is full of joy because you know you'd. If you were Michael Richards, you'd you'd have a legitimate argument for wondering if you kind of wasted your career after it was such a bright start. You know, mm. I think he was the youngest um outfield debutant for or the youngest debutant for England. I think he, he made his England debutant there, yeah. at 18, yeah. Um, and you know, he kind of fell away. He obviously had a spell at Fiorentina, he ended up at Villa. Um, and he might have wondered, God, if he could I have sustained a more, you know, more illustrious career. And a lot of players are bitter about even, you know they might have had a similar career to Micah Ridge or even a worse career, but they end up really bitten and it really comes across on TV mm. when they're doing their work. Um, but yeah, Micah's just such a, he's such a joy, yeah.
1: And speaking of not being able to pronounce names, people tend to have a difficulty with Micah, whether it's Mika or Micah. Oh, yeah, right. what is it's it? It's definitely Micah. Is it Micah? It's Micah-like nice. striker and not Mika-like streaker. That's, <laughs> That's what I was told. But then, when someone said that to me, he then walked into the room and I just couldn't stop thinking... About oh my him, God, naked. is it is it Streaker, Mika, or is it Striker, Mika? Oh my God!
2: Streaker, uh, really uh, nice to
1: meet you. Moody <laughs> Boy! Mika, definitely Mika. Uh, so, to bring things down, after being joyous about Mika's wonderful laugh, um, my favourite moment of the season, and uh, sorry, Arsenal fans, this isn't actually anything to do with Arsenal as a team. I just thought that the shithousery from Neil Morpay was brilliant (laughs) after the Arsenal game Um, and the fact that it kind of carried on for the rest of the season because he continued to get stick for the incident with Leno which was a complete accident Mm. it was not intended to to injure Leno in any way and I don't care what any Arsenal fan comes at me with with this it wasn't intentional strikers will always go for that ball and if that's your striker you're wanting him to go for that ball it was a complete accident that Leno got injured. But after, obviously, the arguments with Gwen Doozy and Neil Pro- Morpé's... Propaganda. Yeah.
3: This sounds like propaganda
1: <laughs> And that Neil Morpé's post-match interview and him saying that, you know, they need to be hum- more humble with their attitude, <laughs> then that carried on. And now, Arsenal fans hate him and Neil Morpé has just carried on kind of rubbing it in their face giving them the crying (laughs) eyes every time he he gets the camera whenever he scored and it has been one of my favourite moments of the season just seeing the way he's dealt with it because it must be I'm not. I'm, there's no sympathy for Neil Morpé with with the abuse he's got, but I don't think it's justified. And I think mm. that the way he's dealt with it has been Exem- quite amusing,
3: amusingly exemplary amusing. in a sort of weird way.
1: Yeah, and I've 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 never met Neil Morpé, but I've asked people who have worked with him what he's like, mm. and apparently he is a lovely guy off the pitch, but on the pitch, everyone who's worked with him said he's a nightmare, he's right. a nightmare okay. to play against, and he's one of those that if you support that team you bloody love him. Yeah. If you don't, you hate him.
3: It's what you want, isn't it? It's like, it that's is why, That's you why Newcastle fans love, love uh, Alan she- I mean, obviously, they, they they did put it together on the pitch, but, you know, the, your striker's like your Shearer isn't, and even Andy Carroll to
2: a less extent, just absolute chaos, painful chaos for yeah. defenders to deal with. He, um, Morpé and Aaron Connolly uh, obviously play together quite a bit, but they go at each other all the time and it's great to watch. Yeah, yeah they put, pr- They're proper, like, I I don't know if they're actually mates off the field, but they're certainly not mates on it, even though they're teammates. (laughs) I think it's quite a good dynamic. Just looking into your eyes as you gave that answer... I moved a little bit closer to Pete because that was, there was a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, there was a lot that's of Roy there. aggressive
1: person. It's just well, passion, we, guys. And they, little, little and they of,
2: took the piss out of him and we've stared <laughs> to them ever since.
3: Jules, uh, what did you come into the office today uh, talking about? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. <laughs> road, road
2: rage.
3: Not Holloway road, road based road rage. Not
1: from me, by the way. Not, someone, the, not,
2: the, not the catatonia kind. <laughs> <laughs> no, it,
1: someone was being very aggressive to me on the road. I did not like it. Um, yes. Let's move on and talk about actual football. Tonight, there is, yes. The championship semi-final second leg between Brentford and Swansea. Swansea take a 1-0 lead going into this match. I cannot wait for this game because it's going to be the last match at Griffin Park ever before they move mm. into their new stadium. And do you know what? I actually fancy Brentford to turn this one around. And I think they'll get to the playoff finals. <sighs> Um, they've got Rico Henry back, who was sent off completely, in my eyes, unjustified in the first leg. I don't think it was a red card. Um, and so Brentford appealed it. They won the appeal. They've got their man back. He started every championship game this season. So he's so valuable to Brentford. Imagine
3: if he does it again, though. Oh,
1: <laughs> and this time, yeah, uh, this time it's justified. And
3: this <laughs> time it's justified. Lovely. Uh,
1: but yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens. Who do you fancy? Do you think Brentford are going to? D-
3: I think the romantic inside in The romantic inside me. Ooh, all right. <laughs> inside was the word the problematic word wasn't it uh, the romantic game me would uh, want to see Brentford uh, play in, in, in the Premier League but I mean we're all we, we're all sick of Bournemouth so uh, why why should we want Brentford in the Premier League that's what I say. no I I would like to see Brentford in the Premier League because obviously we saw their uh, opposition in there quite recently so yeah I, I would like to see Brentford uh, turn it over it's it's a slender lead. It's a slender
1: lead. Yeah, it can all be done. And it's. I think that it's, as you say, it's kind of this romantic idea that last game at Griffin Park takes them to the championship fine playoff finals. They'll probably play against Fulham, who have a 2-0 lead over Cardiff from their first leg. Mm. So a bit of a West London type of derby in the playoff finals. It could be quite exciting.
2: Yeah, I'm all over that. I'm a West London boy. So I was born and raised in Ealing. I used to go to Brentford a fair bit. And I've got a lot of Brentford supporting mates. So... I mean, I feel like we've all picked them here, so they're going to lose. But um, <laughs> but it was also, also it was, it's really a really shit thing to say when you support a club that are always going to be comfortable in the Premier League. Um, and that thing to say is, oh, it'd be nice to have a new team up. As mm. if, like, oh no, we're bored. Take them away. Bring back the others. <laughs> Dressed um, up, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be really nice to see them. But also, they're just, they're just a fascinating club as well. The project they're in and you know how they've approached recruitment and even their style of football. And you know if they don't get promoted they're just going to be picked off i know there this was is a, a sad thing there was that um video of the this uh, box of bread that all these monkeys were running at and, and picking <laughs> Where are out you going
1: with
2: this? and so, so someone quoted it and said brentford when they don't get promoted <laughs> <laughs> and it's just oh, other goodness. clubs coming in and like cuz even like uh, said was um he's already been linked to he's so good chelsea arsenal aston villa Leeds, who <laughs> plays oh, a championship <laughs> with Brentford. So it's just going to be open season on all their assets. And yeah. so, for that reason, if they if, they, if they don't go up, I hope they can hold on to them because obviously the, the new stadium's looking pretty dandy. But um, I kind of hope they do up. Yeah. yeah also, just... an easy commute for me when I will oh, cover it's a nice, game. Isn't it? it's
1: yeah. nice. Sam Saunders, who used to play for Brentford as part of the coaching staff there now. I worked with him on the highlight show the other night for Quest for the, the first legs of the playoff finals. And he did say to me that he is really concerned if they don't go up right a lot of their best players will leave and i think they're expecting that to happen so for the sake of the future of brentford as a football club i really hope that they can do it have they, if
3: they're not got a really sort of interesting sort of youth set of kind of production line they don't do things the same way that other championship teams do it in in, in the youth so they'll always have that kind of hopefully if, if the money stays around they can still uh continue to play this kind of like cute almost you know Newcastle United fifteen years ago, kind of <laughs> kind of uh, way of uh, picking up kind of offcuts and and I, I could see them doing something again in in, in the playoffs, certainly uh, next next season. But yeah, you, you're right. They are it is going to be just carrying, isn't it? It's just going yeah. Be... This
1: feels like it, it's their moment, and they've got to make the most of it. Uh, staying in the championship. Uh, let's talk about Neil Warnock because he's staying on at the Borough. And I am pleased for him, and I'm I'm pleased for for Borough fans because this could be. Uh, do I say it? Could could he take them to the playoffs? Could he take them up to the Premier League next season? I
2: feel like he can do anything. He knows that league inside out, doesn't yeah. he? Uh, this is what is it now? Like eleven years since he said he'd never work again after that. <laughs> uh, what was it at Palace? I think. Um, yeah, it is quite exciting because he's also he's uh, he's such he's, a
1: character. Isn't yeah, he? but he's yeah. been uh,
2: he's been old for ages. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and he and he still has that kind of energy for the job. And yeah, he's you know, he's always entertaining. He's got obviously. You know whether you line with his political views or not, and he's very vocal about them. Um, he's always got something interesting to say, and he always kind of loves rubbing other managers up the wrong way. He loves I loves more it. of him. Yeah, he's yeah. going to enjoy time under under Gibson
3: because Gibson's just the kind of block who who gives managers time um, sometimes to um, uh, get themselves kicked out of the club, but a lot of the time uh, they don't. I, I think Gibson, in, in every interview, he, he's been such a an incredible important person in the northeast and in Middlesbrough, which you know isn't isn't the the the, the most money part of of the world, obviously, but uh, he's been such an important part of Middlesbrough's uh, success, and I think playing playing under him or or managing under him is such a such a unique job in football.
1: Yeah, and that's what Neil Warnock has said. He said that he just loves. Playing under under Steve Gibson and that was part of the draw. Apparently, Steve Gibson had approached him several times during his career to go to Middlesbrough, and it just wasn't quite the right time. To so get out of Championship so, free card, uh, isn't yes, it? really and that, <laughs> now there he is, and, and enjoying his time. And we talk about the the fact that he is old, um, and he feels like he's been around forever. But he still has that kind of love and that desire to manage and to to do something at a club and either keep them safe or or, or get them promotion, and you can hear that he he actually did an interview on Talksport this morning and Laura Woods asked him you know what what did you do in that time off and how did the job come about and he she, he said that first of all when the job came about Steve Gibson called him up and within an hour he was in his car driving up to Middlesbrough from Cornwall he lives in Cornwall so oh, he, it was just like a six and a six, half seven, hour wow. drive yeah but he said oh was so buzzing I felt like a young lad again I got <laughs> in my car and made this road trip up to Middlesbrough and you could hear just how excited he was to take that job but then on top <laughs> of that he said in terms of the break with the way things ended at Cardiff and him having um quite a bit of time off in between the Middlesbrough job he said oh I just did really like normal boring things like fishing and Feeding the ducks and, and talking to them sometimes. I don't know. Wow. I, wonder what, I
2: wonder what he's been
3: saying. To,
1: <laughs> I what he's been saying to the ducks. What duck, kind of conversation like a, can a you
2: imagine team, him having? A duck uh, team talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you mean that team talk where he swears at everyone but at ducks? Who <laughs> yeah. fucking that? Um, I mean, he still has a lot of credit in the bank as well. There are players who he who will be in charge of who, you know, might not actually know too much about him. But what they will know of him is that he is a manager who just gets things done. Yeah. Um, and there'll be older players who know exactly how he works, and the fact that he has worked in the Premier League, and that he has such a good, what is it, nine promotions I think in his mm. career, um, and he's so good at the Championship. So.
3: Yeah, he's regarded as being yeah. the most anachronistic manager in yeah. world football. But he just he just loves that league, and he and he and as I said, he, he gets teams promoted. And I'm sure
1: he'll do very well next year.
3: I I hope he will. Best so. of
1: luck to you, Neil Warnock, and the Middlesbrough team. Mm. Uh, right, that's uh, pretty much all. But we need to get to Pete's mystery noise. The suspense has been. Killing
3: me. <laughs> yes, we did have a mystery noise a little bit earlier on in the show. It sounded like this. A
0: baggy man. A baggy man. Um,
3: a baggy it man. It was... Uh, Vish was right. It's <laughs> a oh, no! Yes. You uh, spoiled it! it was, no, he guessed it. I, I didn't tell him to... Uh, Keep his power dry until the end of the show, so it's my fault. I wanted to have a
0: guest.
2: Oh, so Sorry, too, I got too excited. I, I, I'm, I'm new to this, so I do stupid things.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is another
2: one of those stupid things. Who did uh, Who did you think it was?
3: Um, it was
1: I don't or I What did
2: you
3: think it was? Well, I
1: didn't think it was someone trying to say a Bamiang. Mm. I thought they were saying a boogeyman. A boogeyman. <laughs> a boogeyman. <laughs> a boogeyman.
3: I <laughs> like the sound of uh, who's that woman out of Little Mix? Bardeca. Oh,
1: Barrande. Yeah.
3: Barrande. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, and we spoke about the case that obviously you don't have in that particular
2: bandy man. Like, just, just, <laughs> you know just, what? He took a run up. That's the worst thing
1: to do. It's he paused. paused. It's
2: a pause. And he's obviously like looked down at his notes and he can't read his own writing. <laughs>
1: He's definitely spelt it wrong down on his notes. He looked at it and
2: went, that sounds so much like a film
3: title. (laughs) I'm scared of it. Let's
1: not bother. Uh, There we go, Pete. Thank you for your mystery noise. We'll get another one of those on at some stage in the distant future, maybe. Um, Right, that's all from us. Tomorrow I'm going to be back here with Luke Moore and Jim Campbell. Boys, have a wonderful rest of your sunny day and I'll see you soon.